Okay, so we're going to pick it up from Daf Peites Amid Aleph, starting the Gemara. The last thing we had said was we went through the Mishnah, and the Mishnah was basically telling you the following halacha, and that is that if a woman makes a nether that will take effect after 30 days, the halacha is the only thing that's significant was her status when she made the nether. We go by when the med- nether was made, not when the nether is chal. So let's say the first Mishnah's case. If she made a nether, if she was a widow, and she makes a nether, that she's going to be a nazir in 30 days, the halacha is, and then in between the 30 days, she becomes married, the halacha is, her husband cannot revoke the vow, because when she made it, she was single, she was a widow. So the, the point is, we go by when the nether is said, not when the nether is chal. And he had a couple cases. So says the Gemara, Tanya, the Gemara introduces that it's actually a machloikes tanoim. Almona ugrusha she'omra, harein in nazir if you have a woman who's a widow, and she says, I'll be in nazir when I get married, the halach is, so she makes the nether now, but it's chal when she gets married, v'nisis, and then she gets married, Rav Yishmol, oimer yefer, the husband can revoke the vow. I, when she made the vow, she wasn't married, she was single, but we go by when the nether was chal, according to Rav Yishmol, seemingly not like our Mishnah. Again, our Mishnah, the only difference between our Mishnah in this case is our Mishnah is she was single and she said it'll be chal in 30 days and then she gets married. In this case, she's single and she says it'll be chal when I get married. The, the, it's the same premise. Do you go by when it's said or do you go by when it's chal? The only reason why I'm pointing this out is because it could be there is a difference between the cases, as the Gemara is going to clarify. Rav Akiva, Rav Akiva says, like our Mishnah, that you go by when the nether is stated, not when the nether is chal. Therefore, when it's stated, she was single, therefore her husband cannot revoke the vow. There's two more, there's another case. Uh, you have the opposite. You have a married woman who says, When I get divorced, then I'm going to be a Nizira. So she makes the nether now to be chal when she gets divorced. Then is Garsha and she becomes divorced. Rishmol says, the, hus- uh, sh- the husband, if the husband revoked the vow the day that she said it when she was sing- when she was married, it doesn't take effect. It doesn't work. Because he holds the halacha is that the nether goes, when it comes to removing vows, it goes by when it's chal, not when it was stated. And when it was chal, she was single. Rav Akiva, Rav Akiva says, no, the husband can revoke the vow the day that it was said, because it goes by when it's said, not when it is chal. That seems to be the Machlekes, Rav Yishmael and Rav Akiva. Now the Gemara explains the Psukim, what are the sources? I'm Rav Yishmael. Rav Yishmael says, the Pasuk says, the neder of a widow or a divorcee, says Rav Yishmael, neder means when it takes effect, when the neder is chal. So as long as she's a widow or a divorcee, when the nether is chal, so he focuses on the word nether, which, um, which actually implies the effect of the nether, and all that matters is the effect of the nether. Rav Akiva disagrees. Rav Akiva savar harei oimer kol asher osra al nafsha ache isuri nether b'shas almanugrushin. Rav Akiva says no, it doesn't go by when it's chal; it goes by when it was stated. What's his source? The word asra. Asra means. Uh, the way Rav Akiva understands it, the word asra is the verb of making the iser. So all that matters is when the, which is done when it's, de- when it's said, all that matters is when the nether is verbalized. Okay, so it's a machlekes, Rav Akiva and Rav Yishmael. Am Rav Chizda, Rav Chizda says, Masis and Rav Akivahi. Our Mishnah, which again, was a wood, woman is single, and she says she'll be in Nazira in 30 days. And then in between the 30 days she gets married, our Mishnah says the husband cannot revoke the vow because you go by when it was stated, not when it's chal. That is, says Rav Chizah, that is Rav Akiva. 
perfectly and not Rabbi Shmuel. Abaye says no. Afilu tema Rabbi Shmuel. Abaye says no. The truth is, our Mishnah can even work with Rabbi Shmuel. How so? And it's a deep Indian. I'll tell you outside, I think, what the Pshad of the Gemara is before we read it inside. Rabbi Shmuel generally goes by when it is Chal. So that seemingly does not work with our Mishnah. But Abaye argues like this. In the case of, in the case of Rabbi Shmuel, she was a single woman who said, I'm going to get... I'm going to become a Nazir when I, when I become married. Or vice versa. She's married and says, you know, I'll become a Nazir when I get divorced. So she is stipulating that she's verbalizing the nether now to take effect when there's a change in her. You see, she's not giving a time limit. She's not saying 30 days. She's not saying two months. She's saying, when I change, that's when the nether is chal. So she's saying when she's single, the nether will take effect when I get married. So says Rabbi Shmuel, you have no choice. There's such a drastic difference between when she stated the nether when she when she wants the nether to be chal. Meaning, it's clear she's not. It's not like you know when she's single and she's not like she's saying in thirty days maybe I'll be single thirty days. No, she's saying I'm going to be in this year when I get married. She's clearly indicating that she does not want the the nether to take effect in her current state. She wants to go in her later state. So therefore, we go by when she gets married. But in the case of the Mishnah where she's single and she says she wants it to take effect in 30 days, now happens to be she gets married in 30 days, but it's possible she would have been single in 30 days. Because she wasn't stipulating the nether would take effect when there was a physical change in her or a halachic change in her, she just stipulated 30 days. It happened to be there was a change. But because it's possible for the change not to have been there, we actually connect it back to the verbalization. Again, it's a, it's a deep Indian. The basic premise is, in the case of the Mishnah, she scheduled the vow to take effect in a certain time limit without necessarily stipulating that it would be when the neder, when, when she gets divorced or becomes single, like a, a marital change. Therefore, it's, there's, we want to connect it back to her statement. But in the case of Rabbi Shmuel, where she said that it'll take effect when she changes... You can't connect it. it. It's too drastic. It's clearly she's stipulating. She does not want the nether to take effect. Therefore, we're forced to choose. Do you go by when it's stated? Do you go by when it's chal? So he went with when it's chal. Let's see it inside. Again, it's, it's, you either get the svar or not. I may not be explaining it well, but Abaya says, Really, our Mishnah can work with Rabbi Shmuel. And Masnis and Talia Nashib Yume, our Mishnah, she made the nether dependent on time, on days. But in the Braisa, she made it dependent on marriage. When she makes it dependent on marriage, she's clearly stipulating she wants the nether to take effect when the change happens. Therefore, you can't connect it back to the statement. It has to be when it's chal. But says in the Mishnah, It's possible in the Mishnah, when she said 30 days, it's possible 30 days would have passed without her being married, without her being single, without any marital change. And therefore, it's possible to connect it. Therefore, it could be according to Rabbi Shmuel, we connect it as well. Okay. Just to... Just to um, finish up to the Mishnah. Mishnah says like this. The, the Gemara says, it said in the Mishnah, Zeha Klal. So we found this in this parak, and we have it in the previous parak also. It says Zeha Klal. This is the rule. The question is, what is it adding? So the Gemara says, Zaklal Lasuye, the previous Mishnah, previous Parak, in Parak Nairamirasa, it said Zahaklal as well. Now that Mishnah was referring to the concept that um, that uh, uh, a Naira Hamerasa, that if she's engaged, 
both her father and her husband and her fiance uh, nullify the vow together. So Lasuye over there, the Mishnah is including Even if the father accompanied his daughter with the with the shluchim of the husband, or the father's shluchim accompanied the girl. You see, generally when you give the girl over to be accompanied with the, to give her over, let's say the father doesn't go with her, doesn't send anybody, he just gives the daughter and says, go with the shluchim to your new husband, that itself is like borderline nesuin when it comes to many halachas. So the Mishnah over there is including that if the father went with the daughter or the father sent emissaries with the daughter, she's still considered engaged and the Nidarim is revoked by both her father and her husband. And in our Mishnah, what is the Zehaklal coming to include? The Mishnah is in, uh, talking about the following case. So in our Mishnah, where the father officially gives her over to the shulchan of the husband, or the father's agents delivered her, meaning we just learned that if they're escorting together, then she's still considered engaged. Our mission is adding that if the father officially gives her over, like he leaves, he hands her over, then then she's considered nesuin. And what does that trigger? That triggers a halacha, as we've had many times, a husband is not able to revoke vows after Nesuin that took place before Nesuin. So if she made it a, a neder before Nesuin and then they have Nesuin, the father, the husband can no longer revoke the vows. So the halacha is, even if she didn't enter the chuppah, as long as the father gave her over to the shluchim of the husband, she's considered they had Nesuin and the husband can no, the fiancé can no longer revoke vows that took place before the Mesira. Once she's given over, then it's considered Nesuin and all previous vows cannot be revoked. All right, let's start the Mishnah. The Mishnah is dealing with the following halacha. Now, there are, the, the Mishnah is dealing with cases where a unmarried woman, um, normally when she's unmarried, her father revokes her vows. There are three ways for a woman to leave her father's domain regarding the Dharam, meaning that the father can no longer revoke her vows. Number one is she gets she has Nesuin. Once she has Nesuin, that's it. By the way, it's going to be clear Pashtus from the first opinion, even if she had Nesuin at the age of 10, so she's not even a Naira yet, as long as she has Nesuin, she's out. Even if she's widowed or divorced, it doesn't matter. Once she has Nesuin, she's out. Case number two is the father dies. Once the father dies, obviously the father can't revoke the vows. Or she becomes a Bulgaria, she becomes 12 and a half. As long as you have any of those three or multiple combinations of those three, she is no, the father can no longer reverse the vows. So the Mishnah speaks out nine cases, which again, it's primarily those three concepts, which is Nesuin, father dying, or becoming a Begaris, but it's like a combination, a multi-combination of all these three. The Mishnah says, Teisha Nairis Nidrein Kayom, and there are nine Nairis whose Nidarim stand, and the father cannot revoke them. Number one is Bogaris, the Hiyasoma. This is a woman who made a nether when she was a Bogaris, she was 12 and a half, and she's a Yesoma Av, which means she's an orphan in her father's lifetime. Orphan in her father's lifetime means that she was fully married, and then she became a widow. So she's technically, her father's still alive, but once she gets Nesuin, it's as if she's like widowed, because it, it's as if she's an orphan, because her father's no longer relevant. So basically, she made a nether as a Bogaris, as 12 and a half, and she's been previously married. Now, the reason why the father can't 
revoke these vows is for two, two, two counts. First of all, she's a Bogaris, and she was already fully married. That's the first case. Second case, Naira Ubagra Vihisoma. Second case is, she made the nether when she was a Naira, but then she became a Bogaris. It's almost identical, it's just instead of making the nether when she was 12 and a half, she made the nether 12, then she became 12 and a half. So she's 12 and a half, and, and she was previously married. Go to the next page. So therefore, again, the two objections is she's already 12 and a half right now, and she already was married. Case number three. Naira Shaloi Bagra Vihisayma. You have a girl who's 12, so she's the right age, but she's been previously married and widowed. So because she's been previously married, her husband, her father is out. That was the first set. Now let's go with the second set. These all deal with the father dying. Bogeris Omesavia, she's 12 and a half, and her father died, so she's out because of two counts. First of all, she's too old, and her father's dead. Naira Bogeris Omesavia, which means she made the nether when she's 12, then she became 12 and a half, and then her father died. Same objection. She's too old, and her father died. In the last case is Naira Shalai Bogeris Omesavia, or she's 12, she's the right age, but her father died. Last three set of cases deal with aging out, becoming a Bogeris. Naira Shemesavia, Umeshemesavia Bagra. One case is that she was a Naira and her father died and then she became a Bogaris. So again, the problem is right now she her father's dead and she's too old. Bogaris Vaviakayim, or she's 12 and a half and her father's alive, but the problem is she's too old. Or Naira Bogaris Vaviakayim, or she made the nether when she was a Naira, then became a Bogaris and her father's still alive. So the issue is she's too old. Okay, those are all the nine permutations based on those three rules. Now, Rabbi Yehuda Oimer, So Rabbi Yehuda has a shita. The first time a kama holds a once she has nesuin, even if she got married at nine years old, and she had nesuin, and then a week later the husband died, so she's still under ten. She's not even a naira yet. She's a katana. But because she has nesuin, she's she's out. The father can no longer revoke the vows. That's not Rabbi Yehuda's shita. Rabbi Yehuda says, Afa bita katana. If a woman that's a katana under twelve gets married, has full nesuin, but nisalman is garshim, she's widowed or divorced, the chazer etzle she goes back to being an naira, and the father can revoke the vow. So according to Yehuda, as long as she had nesuin under the age of twelve, and her and her husband died or widowed uh, or divorced her, then she goes back to being single, and her father can revoke the vows. Okay. Um, it's a shayla of whether Rabbi Yehuda is arguing or clarifying the Tanakama. Okay, Pashas think he's arguing, but um, I see the Ran says it's a, it's a, it's unclear whether Rabbi Yehuda is arguing on the Tanakama, or the Tanakama agrees that as long as she got married before she's twelve, and then divorced or widowed before she's twelve, that uh, she goes back to being single and her father can revoke the vow. So it's unclear. Now. The Mishnah started off, it gave nine cases, but it was really, as I said, three rules, which is age, um, nesuin, or father dying. So, Amr Rabbi Yehuda Marav, Zudiv Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda gave all nine cases. The Chacham don't disagree with Rabbi Yehuda. They just gave all these nine cases, they summarize in three, which is age, uh, 12 and a half, father dying, or she's already been previously married. Okay. New Mishnah. The Mishnah says like this. We know that the father, the husband, can revoke the vows if it causes her distress or if it affects their relationship. So the Mishnah says like this. 
She says to her husband the following, If I work for you at all, I will then become usher to benefit from my father or your father. So there's a neder and then there's the stipulation. The neder is, I will not, I am usher now to my father or your father, but when is it triggered? If I work for you. Meaning, so if she works for her husband at all, if she benefits her husband at all, that it triggers a nether that she won't be able to benefit um, her father or her or her uh, father-in-law, or or the opposite, which is she says, "I'll be usher to you. I won't work for you. Um, if I work for my father, then I'm not allowed to work for you." So both these cases, so hareza for both these cases, you're allowed to nullify it. Now the reason why you're allowed to nullify it. Um, Two, there's two things that you see from here. First of all, you're able to nullify the vow before it actually took effect. Meaning, again, the nether was, let's go to the first case. She says, I am prohibited to have benefit from my father if I work for you. So the halach is that the husband can nullify the vow. Now there's two things that, to focus. First of all, the husband can nullify the vow before the vow takes effect because the vow only takes effect when she actually works for the husband at all. He, she doesn't actually have to work for the husband. The very fact that she could, the nether could take effect, you can nullify a nether before it actually takes effect. That's Chiddush number one, meaning it's not like that she has to work for the husband, then makes the nether, then the nether takes effect, then she nullifies the husband. The husband can, husband can nullify even before the nether is even, it's just in stipulation stage. And number two, why is, why is the husband allowed to nullify it? What category does this fall under? The, the explanation for most Rishonim is, like the Rav and the Taisis Yomtev, they say, well, again, there's two. There's distress, and then it's affecting the relationship. The nether in the first case is she's going to be ushered to her, her father. Now, that's not distressful. And, because, again, we follow Rabbi Yossi, who says that cutting off one person is not distress. So the Ran says, first of all, you could say this is according to the Chachamim, that even cutting off one person is distressful. Okay. Or, you could say that really the heter over here is not uh, distress, it's it's affecting their relationship. How is it affecting their relationship if the nature of the nether is that she's usher to her father? The reason is because what triggered the isser to her father it was the fact that she worked for her husband. So she's going to blame her husband for creating this isser. So because the husband will be at the source of the blame, that's affecting their relationship. Meaning generally when it affects their relationship, it usually means she's going to ask her husband. Over here she's asking her father. But what makes the father usher is the fact that she worked for the husband. So because the husband will be to blame, then it's considered and the and the, the husband can be made for the nether. But again, the main point of the Mishnah is that the husband can be made for the nether even before the nether takes effect. Because again, the nether is only taking effect when she works for the husband. She Even before she works for the husband, the husband can nullify the vow. So st- let's do start the Gemara and then we'll, we'll, we'll pick it up tomorrow. Tanya, the Brisa will explain this concept that the husband can nullify the vow before it even takes effect, is actually a machloikas tanoim. Tanya, she'eni nenes la'aba ulavicha manios lavicha mamish, this case, that she says, I'm also to my father if I do anything for you. Rav Nassan says the husband cannot nullify the vow until she works for the husband. Meaning, according to Rav Nassan, for the husband to nullify the vow, the nether has to be practically in existence. Meaning, if she says that the nether will only take effect if A, B, and C happen, 
then A, B, and C have to happen, then the husband can nullify, but he cannot nullify before the stipulations are met. The Chamim, or for the Chamim disagree. They say no. The husband can nullify the vow before the stipulations are met. Similarly, if she says, I'll be forbidden to live with any, to have relations with any Jew if I live with my husband. So then, the question is again, the husband can definitely nullify the vow. The question is, does he have to actually live with her to trigger the vow to remove the, to, to Mefar? Rav Nassan says again, you are not allowed to nullify the vow until she lives with the husband, which triggers the stipulation. Say no, that she could, that the husband can nullify the vow even before it takes effect. We'll stop here, we'll pick it up tomorrow.